you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. but then all of a sudden God turned it for your good. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you again. Thank you for being here. I was supposed to include in my announcements that everybody that comes tonight be sure to bring some form of offering when you come tonight because part of the worship tonight is going to include a very, this is all they're telling me, a very unique and cool way to give. And so everybody's going to want to be part of that tonight. So find a dollar bill, a $5 bill, a $20 bill, whatever kind of bill you can find. And if not, you may be handed a ribbon in the giving tonight. I don't know. It's going to be a good time. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Reading down through verse number 15 from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace has come to us all. And when it comes to us, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That means in the condition today. In this present world, we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But while we live in this present world, verse 13 tells us, looking for that blessed hope. And glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Everybody say all iniquity. 
and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Verse 16, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I want to pull out of verse 13, looking for that glorious appearing, looking for that glorious appearing. The scripture said, he who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. The worst, the, the word iniquity means the worst and most unimaginable sin condition. Iniquity. The worst sin that he came to redeem us or to purchase us or to draw us away from the most severe sin condition and he's talking about in this present world. Who came to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. And what makes these people peculiar? In verse 14, it said that they are zealous of good works. That word zealous means to be filled with zeal and acting in that zeal. The word zeal of course, means to put great energy or enthusiasm into the pursuit of good works. Here we are in the middle of a chaotic world. Anyone who is pursuing good works in this chaotic world is peculiar. Because the majority, it seems would look at us as being very peculiar when we're saying this world is not my home. I'm looking for that glorious appearing. I'm looking for that great day. If that's you this morning, put your hands in the air and ask the Lord to send His anointing upon His Word. Father, we ask for you, God, to do what only you can. Lord, when my abilities run out this morning, I pray that your Spirit takes your word and it imparts it into the hearts of men. What I fail to say today, Lord, that your spirit speaks expressly to the church today. Let our hearts be filled, O oh Lord, with your word as we look for your glorious appearing. Lord, we anxiously await your second return. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We thank you and honor you. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord a shout of praise now. Come on, he's worthy. We praise your name. We praise your name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. In John chapter 14, Jesus told his followers, let not your heart be troubled. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. The second coming of Jesus Christ is found all through the Scripture. It is the hope of all believers. It is the promise of God to the church and the understanding that as we look and see the world in the condition that it is in, 
never lose sight of understanding that these things must come to pass. And that God is still in charge of everything. And He is faithful in all things. And He is faithful to His Word. And He will remain faithful to His people. I am concerned that some have lost sight of eternity. And our focus has turned more to the here and the now. We have gotten far too enamored with the idea of personal growth and popularity and the popularity and growth of our personal ministries. And we have forgotten the reality of the second coming of Jesus Christ. For those who are lost without God, there is an eternal judgment. It is a place we don't talk a lot about or preach a lot about anymore. But I grew up hearing it preached that hell was real and that hell and eternity was a very long time. We don't hear a lot about eternal judgment and the wrath of God. But we hear more about the blessings of God. And we hear more about the favor of God and how to prosper in this life. Our message seems that it has changed that we talk more about heaven as being the joys here in this life. And we think more of hell as being the hell and the struggle and the troubles that we find in this life. But I come here today to tell you that the Bible tells us that there is a place called hell and that there is a place called heaven and that there is a great gulf fixed between the two. You will not be able to vacillate between one and the other. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For those lost without God, there is a place of eternal judgment. And for those who are faithful to God until the end, there is a reward in a place called heaven. Jesus spoke about it, and he spoke about the end time, and he spoke about his return all throughout his preaching. In his first coming, Jesus came to earth as a humble, suffering servant. But in his second coming, Jesus will not return as a suffering servant, but he will return as a conquering king. The first time he rode on a colt but when he returns he'll be on a stallion. In his first coming Jesus arrived as a baby in a manger but in his second coming Jesus will return as the eternal king of glory. I come this morning to tell you that there is a place called heaven and a place called hell and I am looking forward to his glorious appearing. I I want to be ready when he returns. I want to have myself ready and my family ready and the church that God has privileged me to pastor to be ready. I want to reach my community, my lost loved ones. I want to be ready when he comes. I want to remind you that Jesus is coming soon. I don't know when he's coming and I'm not foolish enough to try to predict when he's coming. 
Some have tried to predict his coming and written books about it and articles about it, but I come today to remind you that his coming is very soon. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus even says that his coming is very soon. The apostle Paul continually wrote of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Men have predicted the day, but the scripture says that no man knows the day nor the hour of his coming. But for those who are unsaved, He is going to come like a thief in the night, meaning that they're going to be caught off guard and unaware. But for the bride of Christ, the Lord gave me a revelation and understanding of his scripture just a few months ago. And for the bride of Christ, this is not the case. Look around you and you can see signs everywhere. But for the saved church, we're going to see the signs of his appearing. And when we see the signs of his appearing... Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. He is coming. And his coming is very soon. With one quick look around us, one can see what is happening in the world. Last night, my wife mentioned to me that this past week, the United Nations has announced and declared 2021 to be the international year of peace and trust. Sounds very similar to what we see in the Bible when the Bible says when men cry, peace and safety, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. I know some of us have heard the imminent return of Jesus Christ preached over and over again. But I stand in this pulpit this morning to tell you, you need to get ready if you're not ready. If you've got lost loved ones, you need to be on the phone today, on the phone tomorrow. You need to be going and visiting them. You need to be calling them. You need to be telling your neighbor, get ready. Every time somebody speaks of the world condition, You need to tell them, come to church, get ready, get your heart right with God. His return is soon. Not everyone is looking for his return. Many are looking for a little bit of heaven down here, but there's no heaven down here. Unfortunately, I fear that the church shouts more over a prophecy of the blessings of God in our finances, in our, in our joys of living, than we do the promise of eternal glory. The closest you're going to ever get to heaven down here is being in the presence of the Almighty God. That's why when we come to the, together in the house of God, I'm not concerned about every note being played right. I'm not concerned about every word coming across so perfectly from this pulpit. I just want to get in the presence of God. I want our altar calls to be more than a time to walk forward and smile at one another. I want us to get in the presence of God, have a Holy Ghost outpouring. Have the presence of God manifest. It's the closest we're going to get to heaven down here. This world is not our home. The church needs to recognize the day in which we live. This week I listened to a message from a conference that I attended almost 20 years ago that touched topics that seem so futuristic but we have lived long enough now 
to see it absolutely turn out to be prophetic to where we are as a nation and where we are as a church. I warn the church today to get your house in order. For those of you who have taken the freedoms of the church for granted, I'm very, very concerned. This is not a political message today. This is a message about getting ready for the eternal return of Jesus Christ, for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. But in the middle, I'm concerned that the church is about to to go through some times. I'm concerned that the church is going to face some persecution that we have never faced before. I'm concerned that the church is going to face some controls that we've never faced before. We are already being proactive. I have meetings tomorrow night to begin to set things in order for some shifts and changes in how we are doing some of the administrative things in the event that my concerns become a reality. But in the middle of persecution, Don't become afraid. There will be a remnant of God's people that is going to rise up in the last day like never before and have a great revival in the midst of turmoil and struggle. I'm not here today to talk about where you need to stand politically, but I'm here today to tell you where you need to stand in the Word of God. Get ready. Get your house in order. Reach everybody you can. Work while it is day, for night is coming when no man will be able to work. If you've ever prayed for your church, you ought to pray for your church today. If you've ever prayed for church leadership, you ought to be praying for church leadership today. If you've been ever been concerned about your lost family and your lost loved ones and those who are lost around you, you ought to be concerned today. I believe that we are living in the final hours before the Lord returns for His people. The Bible gives some very descriptive terms to watch for in the staging of end times. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, the Lord, the scripture teaches us that the love of many will wax cold. Here is a sign that is easy to see in the church today. I watched as we moved into the pandemic, as I watched people begin to disconnect, as there was less gathering together and no fellowship outside of watching online and I watched as the church began to lose momentum. I watched as things began to happen to people as people began to enter and wear their mask and sit on the back rows and disconnect and disassociate and they're allowing the enemy begin to speak lies into their ears and put thoughts in their mind and in their hearts. I've watched as people one by one have fallen by the wayside. I've watched as people have drifted. I've watched as people have become discontent. I've watched as people have lost their hope and lost their faith. People are losing their heart and they're growing cold. They're losing hope and they're losing their fire and their zeal for the things of God have diminished. The Bible speaks explicitly into that, that there is going to be those that are going to be overjoyed and thrilled with His coming because He's made ready for those who have zeal toward the things 
things of God, that their heart is filled with the fire and the passion and the flames of God. And then there's going to be those that become lukewarm and those who have become cold. And the Bible said in that day, he would spew you out of his mouth. If you were cold and indifferent, he said, I would that you would either be cold or hot because even if you're lukewarm, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the scripture talks about there being a great falling away, the falling away of apostolic passion and zeal for righteousness. In many churches today, you will see only a form of godliness that denies the real power of God that is connected to it. I'm not really concerned about our programming, but I am concerned about a fiery, hot move of God. I told my wife yesterday, I said, I'm going to tell you, I don't even want to go to church and preach tomorrow. What I want to do right now is get on the phone and call everybody I know that's not living right that's not walking right and tell them to come to church and I want to walk in the doors and say there's not going to be any singing and there's not going to be any preaching but we're going to have an altar call and we're going to have a prayer meeting until people break through and pray through and there is an apostolic move of the spirit of God we need the power of God more than we need good oratory more than we need good worship leading more than we need good music more than we need fancy sermons we need the power of God that's going to change lives and change hearts and turn people around and break them out of addictions and break them out of a life of sin. For too many churches, Sundays just become a time of gathering, a time of social gathering. Let's see what you wear. Let's see what they can sing. Let's see what the pastor can say in some cute, fancy little way. Oh, you may call me old-fashioned, but I've come to this pulpit today to let you know I've been called old-fashioned before. I come to this pulpit today to tell you it's still going to take repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the separation from the world. If we're going to make the city, we've got to be ready. We've got to to be right. We've got to get our heart ready and get our house in order. Some have been so become so satisfied and content just like we are. The second thing in the scripture that says teaches us that we can look for it's a sign of the end time is that people will be deceived. The crazy thing about deception is that people who are deceived believe they're right. They say they believe in apostolic authority as long as they're the one in authority. They become deceived. One of the most tragic things is to talk to someone and recognize, oh my, they're deceived. They believe they're right. They will argue their defense. But none of their argument is based in the Word of God. 
It's based on this world. They're deceived. This is how sin entered into the garden. Satan beguiled Eve. But Adam was not deceived. In other words, Eve became deceived. Satan told her, if you eat of this tree, you will not die. It's going to open your mind to be able to be like God and to understand and know things that you've never known before. And Eve, the scripture said, Satan beguiled Eve, or he fooled her, or he deceived her. She was deceived. But Adam came along, and the scripture didn't leave it blank there for us to wonder. The scripture says Adam was not deceived. But Adam wanted to please Eve, and he followed Eve and her deception into a sin that would separate him from God. This is how sin entered into the world. How many people do we know that we, we know that they understand and know in their hearts that there is a better way? But they make a choice to look at life through the lens of deception. They would rather hope that they are right in their sin until they become deceived. The Bible said in the last days that false prophets would arise and would deceive many. I thought last night as I was preparing this message, we live in a day where there are so many people who call themselves prophets. It's all been leading up to one thing. Everybody wants to be a prophet. It's so much so that people that are openly living in sin want to call and say, I have a word from the Lord. I spoke to someone yesterday who said I received a text message from somebody and they said they had received a word from God and I just want to know what you think about it. And they shared with me this word from the Lord and I was reminded first of all they need to clean their life up and start living right before they start believing they're a prophet. And there are too many prophets for profit. I'm connected to one such prophet online. And in everything that he does, the first thing that it says before you ever get your, prophet, your prophetic utterance is PayPal me at. You send me enough money and I'll pay, I, I will prophesy whatever you want to hear. The Bible said that people are going to be deceived and there's going to be false prophets and they're going to have itching ears wanting to hear specific things and they're willing to do. This is a sign of the end time. <laughs> They'll be led astray by false teachers.
teachers who will tell them, you can live any way that you want. It doesn't matter what is being preached and what the Bible says. One young man that I went to Bible college with, I have no qualms with him whatsoever. But his philosophy and some of the things that he says recently, he said, who cares what the preacher says? Just study your Bible for yourself and find out what the Word of God says. While there is a sense of truth to that, if you don't have enough trust and enough confidence and enough faith in your pastor to trust what he is preaching and teaching, I challenge you, if I preach it and teach it, go to the Word of God. If I'm off base, come talk to me. I want to be right. I'm not telling anybody, don't study your Bible. But I'm telling you, if you cut the man of God, and I'm not preaching this for myself, for every online listener, for every listener that's from another church, hear me. If you're listening to me today online, because you think I've got a word from God for you, come on, zoom that camera in real close. If you think I've got a word from God for you, when your man of God is wrong but he's preaching the truth every Sunday, you need to go back to your man of God. You need to submit yourself to him. You need to sit down with him and have him pray over you and have him tell you what God is speaking to him for your life and you add it up with the word of God because God's not going to tell me anything for somebody else that he doesn't tell your own pastor that is preaching the truth. Thank you and I love you and keep watching us. But God's not going to get outside of the line of the apostolic authority that he placed in the church. And here leads us up to the next thing. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3. Let's pop that up on the screen. I know you weren't expecting that back there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. I want you to go ahead and put that on the screen because I don't want anybody to think I'm just making these things up. Read it out loud with me if you would. For the time will come when they will not endure. Wait a second. Why do we have to endure sound doctrine? Why didn't it say the time will come when people will not enjoy it? It said when they will not endure it. Because sound doctrine has to be endured. Strong preaching has to be endured. It doesn't make you feel good and give you the warm and fuzzies. You've got to decide, I want to be saved above all else. Come on, pastor. Preach it as strong as you possibly can. Preach it right. Preach it straight. Preach it in love, but preach it straight. Listen, I come this morning to tell you that there is an enduring of sound doctrine. In these last days, we're going to be standing against every evil in the world. We must endure sound doctrine. We live in a day when even the people of God, even the elect of God, surprisingly, 
even some who call themselves saved, sanctified, and set free have taken stands on certain things that are clear in Scripture and get all twisted up and wrong and crossways over some of the real issues in the Word of God, and yet they still believe that they are right. Listen, we must stand strong as a church. I still believe that it's going to take what the Bible says to be saved regardless what Hollywood says, regardless what the news media says, regardless what politics says, regardless what other churches may say. I want what the Word of God says. I went in yesterday and got my hair cut and got to have a conversation with my friend Jamie. Glad you're here again today, Jamie. God bless you. Jamie said, we were just having a little conversation yesterday while she was cutting my hair. And she said, I want to know what the Bible says. Not what people think. And not what somebody's individual interpretation may be. I love it, Jamie. Keep searching the Word of God. Keep studying the Word of God. Let the word of God come through. Let the word of God teach. There is going to be a people that are going to rise in these last days that are going to say, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. I want to stand on the word of God. I want what the Bible says because I want to be ready. His appearing is going to be very near, and it's going to be a glorious appearing, and I want to be ready. I know I've got to move. I've got to move quickly. The Bible said that this gospel message, here's another clear mark of the end time and the coming of the Lord, that this gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Look around you. Never a day that this gospel message has been spread like it has. This pandemic that was intended by the enemy to silence the church has caused us to do a better job online more people to turn and listen to services online and this gospel message has been preached all around the world we have gotten text messages and emails and connections with people from countries all around the world from Russia, from South America from Africa, from China from Central America, from Asia from all around the world that have logged in to a little old church in, in, in Central, North Central Indiana because the word of God is being preached all around the world and preachers all around the world are preaching the word of God, these are signs of the end time. This is our day. This is our finest hour. And it's time for the church to rise in this occasion because Jesus is coming very, very soon. I want to remind the church that we're living in the final moments of this race. Don't lose faith now. We've come too far to turn around. I know that some came today and you may be struggling just to survive. You may be struggling to keep yourself uprighted. You may be struggling emotionally. You may be struggling financially. But I'm coming today to tell you it's going to be worth it all when we see Him come on the clouds of glory. 
we are looking for his glorious appearing. I hope through this message today that somebody's going to get heaven back in view. It is written, I have not seen and ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Listen, we have a hope that is beyond this world. Sure, our struggle is real, but lift up your head. Our redemption is drawing nigh. We have a hope not just in this world. If I have hope only in this world, the apostles said, I would be of all men most miserable, but I have a hope that is beyond this world. James says, what is life? It's here today, and it vanishes away. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, that in whom ye have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after you have believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. What is he talking about? He is talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost that is for you and your children and all that are afar off. He said it's the down payment of what's on the other side. It's just the thing that sets us up to start looking for his glorious appearing. Because if you think what you feel in the house of God and the joy you receive in his presence is wonderful, wait until you get on the other side. John says in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you if I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be all so Let's see what else John said. John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new and he said unto me right for these words are true and faithful and he said unto me it is done I am alpha and omega the beginning and the end and I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of life freely he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be, be his God and he shall be my son he's coming soon and he's, he's given you an opportunity to get ready you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to make yourself ready for His glorious appearing. Stand with me all over the building and give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. John goes on to tell us it's a city built four square. Walls are overlaid with jasper and precious stones. Gates are made with 12 pearls, pearls, pearls. I'm sorry. The streets are transparent gold. And the city, verse 23, he said, And the city had no need for the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Goes, John goes on to say there will be no more tears, there will be no pain, there will be no sorrow, and there will be no weeping. I know that you may have come today stressed. You may have come today under the load, but lift up your eyes and start looking for his blessed appearance. The, uh, the climate of the world doesn't really matter to the same church of God. 
God. We begin to look for his appearing. For weeping may endure but for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. I know I preached a lot of scripture to you today. This Bible said when all these things have come to pass, lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. For your redemption draweth nigh. We see the signs of the time all around us. Signs in the heavens. Earthquakes all over the world. Hurricanes in epic proportions. Changing of the season and the times. The world in chaos. Men cry in fear and say peace and safety. When you see these things, child of God, lift up your head. For your redemption draweth nigh. I've heard it preached my whole life, but if you can't see it today, that the coming of the Lord is so very near. The coming of the Lord is so very close. I don't know. I don't know what prophecies are left to be fulfilled. I think they're all fulfilled. I think we're just living at the, at the moment and waiting for him to tell Gabriel, put your lips to the trumpet and begin to blow. I implore you today, if you're in this house and you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, or if you've never received the Holy Ghost, today is a great day for you. Today is a great day for you. I know things to be see, things seem to be well in your world. And I wish that I could tell you that it's going to continue that way. And I wish I could promise you tomorrow Jesus may not come for another hundred years. But the deal is he may come before we ever get home. Or if he doesn't come, we may go to meet him. I saw a report of one of our young men driving to work. The other morning, the driver just weaved over in the other lane, meeting a car, three cars in front of him, head on and taking a life. Gone into eternity. I don't know the man. I don't know where he stands before the Lord. But he could have just as easily brand been three cars later. Nobody knows. A friend that is living, doing well and doing good, met with a twinge of pain in his chest, only to breathe his last breath just a few hours later. The massive heart attack that snuffed him out into eternity. I wish I could promise you tomorrow, but I can't. Oh, I know it's Sunday morning and we would rather leave here shouting and dancing and thrilled, but I come today because I have to tell you the reality of life. That it is appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. Either we're going to go by way of the grave or either he is going to return. If we go by way of the grave, I have no idea when any of us may be called 
But I believe his glorious appearing is very, very soon. And I implore you today to make yourself ready. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the building. God, we need you today. God, we need your glory and your power. Lord, we need the conviction of the Holy Ghost to sweep over this room right now. Soften every heart in the name of Jesus. These altars are open. If somebody wants to step from where you are and make your way to the front of this room, I want to tell you that don't leave here today. Don't leave today until you know that you know that you're ready. I preach from my heart and maybe butchered what some may call a fancy sermon, but I preached what the Lord said today. We must be ready. We must be saved. If you don't feel to come forward, maybe you want to just pray right where you are. while it is day. Seek him while we can. Seek the Lord today, church. Seek the Lord where you are right now. Not a lot of movement in the room. Let's just seek the Lord right now. Everybody talking to the Lord right now.
Come on, talk to the Lord right now. Cry out to Him. I must be saved. Come on, let your heart cry to the Lord now for Come on, don't be ashamed to let the tears flow today. Don't be ashamed to lift your heart to the Lord today. Oh, far above. This song, your prayer for above. 